Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now... Here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Praise God. This morning, I'm going to turn off the mushy button, and I'm going to get myself ready to prepare to share the word of the living God with the saints of the Most High, with the brethren, sons and daughters of God this morning. I'm telling you, you're in for a treat. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord this morning for this house and for those that are tuning in, and even for those that may catch it at a later date. The title of my message this morning is The Rapture Countdown While We Wait. The Rapture Countdown. How many are rapture ready this morning? We know that Jesus is coming. But the question is, while we wait, what are we required by God to do? What is the Lord telling us to do while we wait on Him? Last week, I opened up with the very same exact portion of Scripture. I'm going to do the same this morning. We're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Hallelujah. We've been reading this in and out on Wednesday nights. Praise God. Pretty soon we'll have it memorized in the name of Jesus. These are wonderful words, wonderful, comforting words for the believer. But these are words of destruction. Words of, of terror for those that are outside of Christ. And that's the truth. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet once more, if you can, just for the reading of God's word. If you have it, if you found it, if you're there, say amen. amen. Praise the living God. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse number 13. And the word of the Lord says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, hallelujah, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, cousin, Uncle Joe, Bob, all your relatives, those that died in Christ, they're going to rise first. That's the promise of God. Then we who are alive, look at your neighbor say he's talking about you. Hallelujah. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Hallelujah. 
together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah! Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Saints of the Most High, you may take your seats this morning. I get excited when I read that. Hallelujah! Make me want to run around this room, do some jumping jacks. Hallelujah! But somebody will record me and put me on Facebook. Hallelujah! Nowadays, you can't do nothing. There's a camera everywhere. Hallelujah. Lord, hold me back because I'm ready to run. Hallelujah. Praise God. Make a fool of myself for the Lord. I want to start this morning by sharing a very interesting illustration. This is actually a true story. There was a young Muslim woman on the CBN uh, show 700 Club. She tells her story of, of her conversion to Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to this story. She said when she was born, her father was extremely upset because she was born a female. He didn't visit her or see her in the hospital for three full days. And as she grew, he never really demonstrated love to her or even acceptance. She loved her father deeply, richly, and lived her entire life trying to please him and win his favor. When she was around 18 years old, she was at the mosque and the plea went out from the people and from the imam asking, how many here will volunteer themselves to go to the jihadist school and become a suicide bomber for Allah? She gave it some thought and immediately she raised her hand. When her father saw this, he was filled with gladness. He celebrated her decision, and for the very first time ever, she was now accepted. Mm. She had pleased her father and brought honor to her family by willing to blow herself up in little bits, killing countless number of innocent people for Allah. She began to prepare herself for this school, the night before she went to attend this school, she was given a dream. She was in a dark, dreary cemetery. And all of a sudden, a man full of light appeared to her. He called her Esther. She replied to him, my name isn't Esther. And then the man full of light stood over a grave and resurrected a dead person right out of the grave and brought them back to life. She looked upon the man of light and said, Who are you? And where does this power come from? You have so much power. The man of light said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. She's never heard these words ever before in her whole life. The next morning, before going to jihad school, she ran into a man named John. They had a conversation together, and he asked her one of the most critical questions she has ever heard in her life. He asked her, does Mohammed know how to save you? She guessed. She thought. She says, well, I'm pretty sure he does. And he cited from the Quran 
from Surah 46, verses 8 through 9. This is what it says. I am not an innovation among the messengers, and I know not what shall be done with me or with you. I only follow what is revealed to me. I am only a clear warner. This is Muhammad talking in the Quran. Listen to the words that he says. I know not what shall be done with me or you. I only follow what is revealed. I'm just a, a clear warner. He proceeded to tell this girl that Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad himself, didn't know if he would be saved. Nor could he help anyone else to be saved. And right there she thought to herself, here I am, ready to blow myself up for Allah, and I don't even know if I'm going to be saved. John continued to minister to her, and she found out that this man of light in her dream the night before was Jesus Christ. She knew if anyone had the power to raise me from the dead, it would be this man of light. She repented right on the spot and became a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. To this day, she lives in hiding from her own family who have now turned on her and wish to kill her. But her hope, her trust is and will always be in Jesus Christ, the man of light. Let me just tell you, saints of God, we are now in a time where there are so many false religions, there are so many different false doctrines, doctrines of demons that have sprung forth on earth. Right here we see, Muhammad can't save you. Allah can't save you. You know why? Because Allah is not even a real person. Allah and Yahweh are not the same. So saints of God that are trying to buy in to this Chrislam nonsense, that's an abomination from the pit of hell. Allah tells you to kill those that don't believe in you, the infidels. Our God says, love your enemy. Bless those that persecute you. They are not the same. They are not the same person. It's so foolish, I can't even believe it. Buddha can't save you. There's no salvation in Hinduism or Buddhism. There is no salvation in the Talmud. Jesus has no mention of it in the Talmud. There is no salvation in the Kabbalist cult of Satan. Many of our leaders are in the Kabbalist religion. There's no salvation in Freemasonry. There's no salvation in the Illuminati. There's no salvation once you become the enlightened ones, the five percenters. There's no salvation in no other. There is no salvation in the third testament of the book of Mormon. My Bible, and in chapter 22, you know what the last word of scripture is? You can look at it in your Bible. Revelation 22, the last word, amen. That means it's finished. It's a completed work. God didn't stutter. God doesn't need a third testament. These are doctrines of devils. Jehovah's Witness cults. They're wrong. It's a misinterpretation of scripture. 
We can go on and on and on. I could go at nauseum telling you about different religions and different cults. And we got saints of God that are entering into the house with false doctrines and trying to uh, uh, put all this foolishness on the saints of God. Read your Bible. Get into the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's definitely talking about you right now. Hallelujah. Get into the word and stop making excuses. There's no excuse. You don't like to read? Pick up an audio Bible. Nowadays, you could go on YouTube and somebody's reading it to you on YouTube. There's no excuses. And every religion on earth, everybody's trying to talk about salvation. Buddhists think you'll, oh, you'll get nirvana when you achieve your level. I bind you, Satan. I see you, devil. In the name of Jesus, some foolishness. I ain't banking on nobody. You want my attention? Come out of the grave. Hallelujah. And then I'll start talking to you. Praise the Lord. Until then, I serve the most high. The one and only. The Bible says specifically, without any other possible interpretation, that there is only one God, only one faith, only one baptism, only one way to God the Father. And that is only through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Himself said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You don't have to like it, but it's the truth. Hallelujah. Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other. Hallelujah. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other religious guru could do such a thing. No one can even make that claim. And there are some that try. There are those that have said, I am Christ. I'm the Messiah. Uh, yeah. You know, there was a guy, uh, uh, Juan Luis Miranda de la Cruz, whatever his name is. Hallelujah. Some knucklehead from Florida that he believes he's Christ. And he says the 666 is wrong, that that actually is the number of man. And he believes that he himself is the Messiah and that the 666 is his number. And you know what? This is how foolish, because he's got two million followers. You know what that tells me? Two million people that are looking for truth found it in a devil because they don't read their word. And that's how they were led astray. And guess what else? It goes even deeper. You want to hear the foolishness? He died of kidney stones or some kind of kidney malfunction. He died. And the, the believers of that cult are now hiding his body, waiting for him to resurrect. Straight up foolishness. He has become worm food. Insect food. This is what separates our God from the nuts. C.S. Lewis said it best. He said, Jesus was either a lunatic, a liar, or he was Lord. Hallelujah. We know he wasn't a lunatic. We know he wasn't a liar. He had to be Lord. He said, I have the power to lay my life down and the power to take it up again. Glory to God. John 10. 17 through 18. Let me read that for you just in case you think I'm making it up. Therefore, my father loves me. This is Jesus' words right out of his mouth. 
My Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't talk the talk. He walked the walk. Hallelujah. He didn't just say anything. He drank the cup of his father. He said, Lord, if Mohammed can do it, let him do it. If Buddha could do it, let him do it. But let this cup pass from me. And he goes, but then again, nobody could do this. Because can nobody do what I do, says the Lord. And he said, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Hallelujah. That's the God we serve. He fulfilled the will of God. Not my will, but thy will be done. But you know, there's always haters. Haters. They always got something to say everywhere you go. And Jesus knew the haters. In his time, the haters were called Pharisees and Sadducees. The ones that couldn't see and the ones that wouldn't see. Hallelujah. That acted with lunacy. And he said in John 10, he says, If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. Straight up. But if I do, then you do not believe me. Then believe the works. That you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Hallelujah. You don't want to believe the word? No problem. Look at the signs. Look at the wonders. They will speak on my behalf. Let me tell you something. If you look outside, you see the beauty of God's creation. You know that God is real. Hallelujah. These knucklehead atheists. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm offending people, but I got to keep it real. We go to church because we serve a living God. They go to church to do nothing. They believe that nothing created everything. Let me just tell you how stupid this is. According to an atheist, their belief system says that if you took glue and paper and cardboard and ink and you throw it all up in the air, it's going to come down and become the Encyclopedia Britannica. With pictures and numbers and letters and everything. Do you see how astronomically stupid that is? Not in a billion years, in a billion generations, will it ever come down a concise, well thought out, written out thing with the pages glued and everything in order. But they want you and me to believe that nothing created everything. Lord, deliver them from their stupidity. I believe it's Psalm uh, 14, if I'm not mistaken. It says, he that hates correction is stupid. Or is it Proverbs 12? He that hates correction is stupid. Let me get back to the word. Hallelujah. Our Lord says, Jesus says, he says, he will do what he says he will do. Our God is a promise keeper. We know that the word of God is authenticated by prophecy. Can I get an amen, people of God? 
The word of God is authenticated by prophecy. You need to know this. I've been saying it on Wednesdays. I'll say it today because people are always going to come up to you and say, how do you know that the word of God that you supposedly read as the word, the truth, how do you know it's the truth? And a lot of Christians get stumped by that question. My grandma told me. My grandma believed in it, so I guess it's true. She was pretty bright. No, eh, wrong answer. Let me just break this down. This is such a beautiful thing. There have been over the centuries a convergence of prophecies. There have been numerous prophecies over the centuries that have taken place. If one single event, if one single prophecy was not complete as written, then the whole scope of prophecy, the whole realm of everything we've known would stop and it would be null and void. Think of it this way. The domino effect. When you line up a whole row of dominoes, all it takes is one little push, right? One little tap, boom, and the dominoes will go and they'll just, everything falls down. It's a succession of dominoes all falling in and they all have to be together in order to keep the flow going. But if you have one person or one domino is removed, if even one domino is picked up, that when that pile gets to it, boom, it drops and that is the end of the flow of those dominoes falling down. Think about that. So in other words, one little thing that changes will prevent the succession or the convergence of events. Scripturally, we talked about this last week, there's over 10,000 and change, 10,000 prophecies in Scripture. Many of them, if not 90% of them, are already fulfilled in exact succession all these prophecies one after another some of them written hundreds of years apart have have all been harmoniously connected to one another by authors who never even met each other who weren't even alive in the right time or, or to meet each other and every single one happened exactly as it was prophesied in scripture an exact convergence of prophecies coming together without one thing out of order do you understand that? Yes. This is what separates the Bible from every other religious book on planet earth. Many people can talk about prophecies, but there's only one book that has been a rapid succession of events that have all been tied together. A, a, a book written by 40 authors over 2,000 years, and every single one of them have been fulfilled to the letter. The rapture. It's not a question of if the rapture will happen, but when the rapture will happen. And by the end of tonight's service, I'm going to give you another little thing. You're going to know about why the rapture is going to happen. Hallelujah. But that's for another time. Hallelujah. But what is the next great prophetic event? According to scripture, what is the next thing that we are all waiting for? I tell you, the rapture of the church. Numerous prophecies were fulfilled about the birth of Jesus. Numerous prophecies were fulfilled about his death, burial, and resurrection in exact and explicit detail. The next great event is the rapture of the church. I have to tell you the truth because some people, I believe it or not, are still confused. The rapture of the church 
and the second coming of Jesus Christ are two separate events. And it's a fact. If you want to know more about it, as Brother Allen said earlier, come out on Wednesday nights. We're learning all about this. We're going in through a prophetic study, a study on eschatology, which is the proper term. Amen? So knowing that the rapture is going to take place, it's the next greatest event, then here's the question. How should we conduct ourselves? How shall we live our lives considering the countdown of the rapture? I have an answer for you. The first very thing we should do, keep watch. Each and every day brings us closer to the return of Christ. The Bible says to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, to be people of prayer. Let me tell you, if you're not praying now and you don't have a lifestyle of prayer, I'm telling you, you're missing out on the greatest revelation of truth that God has for you. God is speaking to his people. God is giving you discernment. God is showing you. He's revealing himself to you. And so many people are not spending time in prayer and they are confused. And when some uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing comes into the church and starts giving you some false prophecies and starts handing you some pamphlets, you start reading it up and gobbling up and now your whole perspective changes because someone was allowed to to deposit a seed in your heart. I tell you the truth. Read your word. Get into prayer. Stay in the presence of God. Keep watch. The prophetic clock is moving. As of May 14, 1948, we are now on the fast track of the rapture. Pastor, where did you come up with that day? That was the day when Israel became a nation in one day as prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. Not one nation on planet earth in all of history has become a nation in one day. There's only one, which is Israel. And that's the only nation that was prophesied in the word of God. We are bound by time. Time is relentless. It's marching forward and it's bringing an urgency to our life. Time is running out. Get your spiritual life ready. Get yourself in order. Now, I want to be respectful here. But right now, there seems to be so much attention on a mask. Think about this. So much attention on a mask. We're protecting ourselves from the vicious, invisible virus. But I want you to think of it. We can have a debate if you want after church. Hallelujah. Amen. I ain't trying to get into no fight with nobody right now. But I'm telling you, listen, we're being conditioned. This is somewhat of a mind control thing that's happening in our society. What I'm telling you is we're being conditioned for the approaching mark of the beast. Never in my lifetime would I have imagined I'm seeing what I'm seeing now. But let me just draw your attention to Revelations 13. Write this down. I'm going to read it for you. Verses 16 through 18, it says, He caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And no, I, and no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number 
of the beast. It is the number of man. His number is six, six, six. Do you know that Goliath was a type of antichrist? He had six fingers on his hands and six fingers on his toes. And the cubits was like a six, a six cubit uh, tall guy, if I'm not mistaken. But he's a type of antichrist. But listen when I tell you this. Right now, you cannot have a job if you're not wearing a mask at work. Am I telling the truth? You can't even work without a mask on. And how many don't like to wear the mask? But you got to if you want to work. You have to wear the mask. If you are an employee, you can't sell to anyone if you don't have your mask on. And if you are a patron, you cannot buy if you don't have your mask on. It sounds a lot to me like what they're trying to do with this, what the Word of God says in Revelations 13. And here's another really interesting fact. For those of us that are not wearing masks, and I'm not telling you not to, that's not what I'm saying, hear me out. But for those that are not wearing masks, let's say you forgot it, or you walk in and say, oh, I forgot my mask. You get ridiculed by everyone else. You're not wearing your mask. You're a, you're a, a, a rebel. You're, you're, you're an idiot. And I start calling you all kinds of names, F-bombs and everything else. I've seen it. People get beat up because they're not wearing their mask. In the end time tribulation, if you don't have the mark, they ain't going to beat you up. They ain't going to call. They're going to say, grab him. Grab her. Let's execute them. They're rebels against this new world order, this utopia, this uh, uh, Capitol Hill autonomous zone nonsense. They're bucking the system. Let's catch them. And that's when people will be executed because they refuse to take the mark. Have you ever thought in your life you would see this? I, I, I spoke a little bit earlier in our time of prayer about Newburgh and, and Walmart. They had two lanes that are now uh, open for cash. They said, we have a coin shortage. And therefore, we're going to have all the lanes are going to be debit and credit card only. We'll save two lanes. But once the coins run out, which will be later tonight, we're going to complete cashless in Walmart in Newburgh. Didn't you know that the New World Order, that's part of the agenda of hell? A, a cashless society, one world religion, one world government. The time of the Antichrist is at hand. Yes. Yes. Let, me, let me give you something else to think about. So I could put this all in perspective. If I were to offer you right now, let's say I was a billionaire. Let's say I say to you, I'll give you $1 billion if you sell me your eyeballs. How many, uh, sign of hands, how many would take that offer? If I gave you a billion dollars, you would sell me your eyes. If you raise your hand, I'm throwing some oil on you because you need medical attention. You have some displacement syndrome, something that, that you need to get some therapy for. But we all know I ain't selling you my eyes. I don't even care about the billion dollars because I need my eyes. This is how I experience the world. I get to look at my wife and my children. This is how I take it all in. But because you won't sell your eyes for a billion dollars, why won't you take that same level of, of commitment and protection over your spirit? We're protecting ourselves, but we are not thinking about the spiritual life which lives forever. One day, the Bible says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. One day, we're all going to die. That's a proven fact, 100% fact. One out of one dies. 
except the generation that will be alive when the Lord comes, which I believe we are that generation. Laugh at me all you want to. And while you're laughing, deuces. I'll see you in seven years. Peace out. I'll be back. Laugh all you want. I got my passport. The blood of Christ. Blood of Jesus. People of God, get back on focus. Get back on target. We have a countdown right now. There's not much time left. There's a shortness of time. Our dreams, our goals, either they have been realized or they have been dashed. But it keeps us fully aware of the importance of seizing every single moment, making the best of every opportunity. You know that we don't have much time. So how many of you have loved ones that are unsaved? How many of you have coworkers that are unsaved? How many of you have friends that don't know Christ? You've got your ticket. Glory to God. But what about them? We have those that have departed. They're now in glory. And we know because they have died, it lets us know one day, man, that may happen to me too. Tomorrow may not come. We have no guarantees. The Bible says we're here for a moment like a mist, like a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. I have a question to ask you. What legacy are you leaving behind if today is your going home day? What are you imparting before you depart? Do you leave a legacy of the spirit of Christ in your family or a legacy of flesh? The countdown has signs revealing the closeness of our Lord's return. There are plagues and pestilences and diseases. We're currently in a pandemic. We're going through all this. We're seeing on our TV famines and floods and earthquakes and sinkholes and all types of natural calamities and disasters. We're hearing about wars and rumors of wars. All of this that has been prophesied in the last days by Jesus Christ himself that we would see this. We have countries now that have armies of 200 million soldiers. And these millions of of people will literally turn against Israel. We thought that we would never see. I thought in my lifetime I would never see that. But right now China and India both have come out publicly and said we can put together. And listen, they chose this number. Why is it not ironic? Because it's in the word. They said we can put an army right now together of 200 million soldiers. At the drop of a dime, if we need to get together to go to war with any nation, we have 200 million ready to go. Both India and China. Look it up. Then we have false prophets. The Bible says, wolves will come in among the sheep. Many will be offended. They will hate each other. The love of many will wax cold. Listen, all you got to do is go on Judge Joe Brown or or Judge Judy. You'll see mother and father and daughter and son and everybody taking each other to court. There's no more love. People will be eating and drinking, the Bible says. Marrying and giving in marriage. Do you know what that means? 
Why is it that marriage is even in equation with that statement? We know about all people doing evil. We know about the days of Noah. Everything was evil, evil. But why marrying and giving in marriage? Has you ever, have you ever asked yourself that question? I'm going to give you the answer right now. Marrying and giving in marriage. They're talking about the Nephilim. The men of old. The men of renown. In Genesis chapter 6, many people don't even know about it. What does that mean, pastor? Well, the Nephilim, the fallen angels, laid with the daughters of man. That means the fallen angels had intercourse with the women, and they had an offspring, a hybrid being, and those were the giants on the land, and they were given a name in the word of God called Nephilim. They were giants that were 30 feet tall, and they walked on the earth. And we read about it in scripture. Goliath was a Nephilim. This is after the flood. Joshua and Caleb, when they went into the promised land, they said, we looked upon them and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. There were giants that walked on the land. Do you know that David took five stones to kill Goliath? Why did he have five stones? Just in case he missed? No. The book of Chronicles tells us they were sharp with that thing. They could, they could, they could fly from 700 yards. Oh, the mosquitoes messing with you? They got skills, man. They were trained. David took five stones because one was for Goliath, but Goliath had four cousins. And they were still alive. And, and David said, well, if they show up, I got a stone for you too, bro. I'm prepared for battle because I know where I'm going. I know my father. This ain't the day I die. I'm a child of covenant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? coming up in here and messing with the armies of God. How dare you? The very thing that you have holding up against me, your sword, I'm going to chop your head off with your sword. How about that? Nephilim. Why am I bringing this up? This is a deep topic. I can't go into it too much. But I'm going to tell you something. After the flood, they were killed off the earth. But the wives of Noah's sons were still Canaanites. There was still a, a, a tainted gene. And that's why they were born back on the land again. Did you know that fallen angels are not demons? Fallen angels are fallen angels. The offspring beings, those are demons. And there's enough demons to go around for the whole world. And people now are channeling the men of old, the men of renown, the, the Nephilims, because they need a host. Yes. And people are now praying and channeling these old spirits and bringing them into their body for fame and for fortune. You think I'm kidding? Beyonce. What's her alter ego? Sasha Fierce. Nicki Minaj. What's her alter ego? Roman. What are these movies, the golden uh, compass and all these movies? What's your spirit animal? Oh, mine is a dog. Yours is a cat. Yours is a monkey. Oh, you're a praying mantis. <laughs> Straight up foolishness. What they're doing is they're channeling up spirits. They're cutting their flesh yes. like the prophets of yes. Baal and opening up blood and offering up blood to come into a blood covenant with the men of renown because they want fame and fortune. 
and they're becoming a big celebrities, big actors and artists. And then your kids are buying their records and your kids are buying the movies and the devil is invading your home. We got foolish people, even people, believers. They're calling each other, you're my muse. A muse is a demon. A muse is a demon. You're my muse. I'm your muse. Are you kidding me? We got people headed to hell on our watch. And I know people are getting upset with me. I still love you. I'm telling you the truth. Straight up foolishness. The Bible tells us in Joel chapter 2 and in Joel chapter 3. Read it, it's there. It tells us that the sun will grow dark and the moon will turn into blood. We have witnessed in our lifetime the four blood moons, the tetrad. Isn't it funny that they all took place on a Jewish feast? You think that's a coincidence? Four times straight. And then we have a total eclipse. And then you remember back in 2017, a total eclipse of the sun. It took place August 21st. I remember. Now, I didn't see it, but I saw it on Facebook and all the social media on the news. The people from Washington State all the way down to Florida at the middle of the day, their, their sun went completely dark for about 10 minutes. You could be at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and it was as dark as night. That's a sign. The Bible says there'll be signs in the heavens above and on the earth below. And, you know, we, we're looking at the TV and in New Jersey, not even too far from here, hundreds of thousands of fish are up on the shore dead and no one knows. No scientists have an answer. And we've got pastors telling their people, there's still time. Don't worry. Jesus is not coming yet. There's a Repent in the name of Jesus. I, I want to tell you something. And I'm saying this by the Spirit of God. I'm not trying to steer. If you're in a church and your pastor's telling you that nonsense, leave the church. If your pastor ain't preaching or talking about the, the rapture of the church, if there's no, no study on eschatology, you're in the wrong place. You're in danger. I'm telling you the truth. As in the days of Noah, they'll be marrying and giving in marriage. That's what it means. They will be embracing demons, incubus and succubus that are going to choke the life out of them in the midnight hour when they're asleep on their bed and some demon is trying to rape them. And then they call up the pastor. 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 I need prayer. Some demon is trying to rape me. Yeah, but you got Harry Potter on in your house. And you got all kinds of wickedness. And you're listening to Jay-Z and Beyonce and all these demonic things. And you want me now to come in the last hour? You want me to come in the fourth quarter and cast out demons that you have embraced? You need deliverance. You need to renounce and reject those things out of your life. And repent so that times of refreshing will come back to you. But I will pray for you. Hallelujah. Call me anyway. I'll come in your house and blast those demons out in Jesus' name. Because I ain't scared. How then 
Shall we live in light of the catching away? Here's my second question. We need to stay rapture ready, church. Be obedient. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. Saints of God, now is the time for obedience. Brother Allen read earlier from Colossians 3, a whole recipe. How should we live? Rules for holy living. Put off the old. Put on the new. You are a new creation in Christ. If you truly have surrendered to Christ and Jesus Christ is your Lord, remember he can't be your Lord if you're not under his lordship. If he's truly your Lord, then you put off the old. You die to self daily. You pick up your cross and you follow him. How long must God tell you what to do and you ignore him? How many fleeces do we need to put out before the Lord? And then he answers you and you go back and put it out again. Are you a 70 confirmation Christian? How many times does God have to answer your prayer before you respond? If God has told you, I want you to prepare this. I want you to go there. I want you to, and you don't do it. And then you're wondering, oh, I don't know. I just don't know what my call is. I don't know what God wants me to do. If you can't do the simplest thing he tells you to do, what what makes you think he's going to continue until you do what he has called you to do? You ain't getting no answer from the Lord. Be obedient. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Surrender to the Lord. Do the next thing in obedience that God tells you to do, and you will always be in the perfect will of God. It's not that complicated. A caveman can figure this out. So many people hear the Lord's voice. So many say, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice myself. They'll go into 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and praying. And the minute the 40 days and nights are over, they do one dumb thing, one simple act of disobedience, and they just erased and nullified 40 days of fasting and prayer. Be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Just obey. Trust God and obey. Conform to God's word. So many today are trying to make God's word conform to them. Romans chapter 1. You should read this this week. You know, when I give you these things, go home and read it. This is homework. Many people, the Bible says in Romans, will suppress the truth of God and make for themselves an idol. Their own version of God. Did you know that it's possible to make an idol of God? It's true. They make for themselves a version of God that's okay with homosexuality. A God that's okay with living with your boyfriend or girlfriend outside of wedlock. We don't need to get married because we love each other too much. I love you too much. I don't need to get a ring. What if he changes? I'd rather just move in with him, try before I buy. And then 20 years later, you're asking, when are you going to put a ring on me? Why should he? Uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Hallelujah. People are tight, but I ain't scared of you today. Hallelujah. How do you make an idol of God? By making up a version of God that fits your spiritual uh, wickedness. And you serve that God. The God that you are, are serving, that's a strict God. I don't want to serve that God. I'm going to make my own version of God and I'm going to worship that God. 
the God that I love, he's, he's loving and he accepts my life. He knows that I'm just weak. He knows I'm weak. I have no self-control. So I know by the grace of God, the grace of my God, he's going to take me into his perfect kingdom paradise. But meanwhile, you're full of rebellion and witchcraft and pride and arrogance and all kinds of wickedness. If the devil was kicked out of heaven, what makes you think you're going to get up there? You have unforgiveness in your heart. You upset with your mom and dad because they don't approve of your uh, sexual lifestyle. And you want God to accept you? The Bible says honor your mother and father. You can't even honor your parents. You want to go before the Lord? I mean, get it together. Foolish man, foolish woman, get it together. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a fishing hole? People of God, this is an important question. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Have you caught any fish lately? Are you even interested in fishing? I got it. That's right. That's pastor's job. Let him do it. We're paying him to go fish. That ain't my job. I don't even like fish. Let me tell you something. While it is true, you may be saved, sanctified, delivered, healed. And even if you don't catch fish, it's true. You probably still go up to heaven. You'll be caught up. And you'll be in, the, in the, crowd, the clouds of glory. But what about everyone else? Those that were around your circle. Those that the Spirit of God were telling you to talk to. What about them? Is there a desire in your heart from God to reach people? Even one soul for Christ? What's your soul count? Have you asked yourself that question? How many people in 2019, a whole year, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. How many people did you win for Christ in 2019? A whole year. Even one? It's all right if it's quiet. I ain't scared. How many people have you personally discipled, reached for Christ? How many people have you sat with and taught them how to pray, how to read the word, how to study the word, how to worship the Father? Or are you just content with being a park bench Christian? What's your legacy? Oh, I get it. I'm too old. My greatest years are behind me. I, I'm getting old, Pastor. You don't understand. But think about this. Sarah gave birth to her son at 90 years old. Way past birthing years. And you know what? The Bible says she was fine. She was beautiful. Do you know what changed Sarah's situation? You ready for this one? When she called Abraham Lord, she conceived. Men, you're commanded to love your wives. Wives, you're commanded to submit, to surrender to your husband. When the angels came and told Abraham, you're going to conceive a child with your wife, and you guys are going to be the father of nations, and I'm going to birth the whole nation. What does she do? Ha, 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 ha. You cray-cray. You fell off your rocker. You just cray-cray. Ha, ha, ha. What does she do? She circumvented God and her foolishness, and she brought Hagar into the picture. Now the Arabs and the Jews are still fighting to this day. 
But when she said, you know what, maybe it's me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, not my sister, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. When she repented, she said, Lord, how may I serve you? He said, baby, let's go. He had the twinkle in his eye. She conceived and gave birth. It's business time. Hey, sex is great. The Lord made it. I'm, I'm under the covenant of marriage. I ain't afraid. Hallelujah. Let thy bed be undefiled. The problem is too many people don't want to do it God's way. And that's why when we talk about sex, people start tripping. I ain't tripping. I'll see you later. Hallelujah. Second Timothy 4, 5. Come on, get with me. Stay with me. Stay with me, people. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, babe. She gets all embarrassed. Hallelujah. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Hallelujah. Let me go quick here. Hallelujah. Get out of this hole. Hallelujah. We ought to live every day like it's our last day. Amen. First John 1. Excuse me. First John 2.28. It says... And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I tell you the truth. Don't be distracted. Stay in your word. If you get anything out of this message today, prepare yourself. We're in dangerous times. Don't be foolish. Don't be distracted. When the wolves come in, study and show thyself approved. So you do not have to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. That's found in 2 Timothy 2.15 for those that need to know. There's a sad commentary in our day. Not many want to study the word. This is how cults are started. This is how uh, uh, leaders, religious leaders are risen up because of the laziness of the people. They come in and twist scripture to fit their agenda. And then we find ourselves in a problem. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. How are people deceived? Because they don't stay in the word. I want to tell you something. The devil himself knows the word of God better than everybody, better than your pastor. And the devil will use God's very word against you. If he did it with the Lord Jesus, why wouldn't he do it with you? The problem is many of us don't know the word, but there will come a time where the saints of God will start ingesting the word, and then you'll have bullets in your gun. And when the enemy comes, you'll say, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Hallelujah. It is written, you shall worship the Lord thy God, and only him shall you serve. It is written, don't put the Lord through no foolish test. You got to be able to fight. If you haven't been winning, let me ask you a question. If you've been living a defeated life, how is your personal time of study in the word? How then shall we live in light of God's coming judgment? I'm going to tell you, church, one day every single one of us will be judged, both good and both wicked. There are two judgments 
that are coming to every soul. The first is the judgment seat of Christ. That is the, the judgment for those that die in Christ or those that are resurrected, those that are raptured. It is the judgment seat of Christ where every Christian disciple or follower of Christ that ever lived will be judged for what they have done on earth in the time that they received their salvation. I want you to write these down and study them this week. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In other words, this judgment will be for commendation, for reward, for those that have served Christ, not for condemnation. Amen? Our works will be tried by fire, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed of how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, with wood, with hay, with straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If Now listen, listen to this verse very, very careful. 14 and 15. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. I'm going to read that again. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Why did I read that? Because right here it tells us there's going to be shame in heaven. You didn't think it was possible, right? But there will be shame in heaven. The Bible says scarcely some will be saved. By scarcely, by the skin of their teeth, the righteous will be saved. That means you will enter because of the grace of God, but doesn't mean you're going to get all these rewards. Let me, let me put it to you in a way that you can understand. If you have a home and your fire, uh, your company, your insurance company tells you, listen, for $3 more a month, you can go ahead and, and get a fire insurance policy on your house. We've got a special. You say, nah, $3, I don't even want to pay that. No, no, no. And you pass them by. And then two or three months later, something happens, an electrical fire, and your house burns down to the ground. And you and your kids and your dog and your cat, you all come out of the fire. You're safe and sound, but everything you ever owned is burned up and destroyed. You will be ashamed because you say, man, if I only would have taken that fire insurance, I could have recovered everything that was lost. But I'm happy to have my, my, my wife and my family, my children. We're all alive, thank God, but we got to start all over. And you'll be ashamed because of a $3 little monthly increase. You decided to forfeit somebody's coverage of your property. The same holds true in heaven. You'll get there, but there are no second chances. You would have had forfeited every opportunity to reach anyone for Christ or to do anything for the kingdom of God. And the Lord will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, because he's looking at the blood of his son, Jesus. He says, enter into the glory of God. But when the time of reward comes, you're going to be ashamed. Because everybody has been doing so many wonderful things for God, and you're going to be the one in the corner going, man, 
I wonder what kind of shack they're going to put me in up here. I wonder if I got a crown at all. If I need a little hair clip, like my wife says, a little clip to, to hold my little, my little crown up there. I mean, I'm making silly humor about it, but the reality is you don't want to be that guy. That's the gatekeeper in heaven. Hello, welcome, come on in. Welcome, come on in. I mean, I'll take it. Praise God. But the reality is, you know, we want to do what, what the Lord has called us to do. Be fruitful and multiply. Where's your fishing hole? Don't let that be you. Then the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat that is prepared for those that are lawless. Those that are unborn again. The children of disobedience. Those that are cursed. Revelations 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the death of Hades uh, delivered up the dead who were in it, and they, off they were judged, each one according to his works." Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell is real. The devil doesn't have a throne there. He's not going to rule from hell. This is a place of torment for him and his angels and the Nephilim and the demons. They're their place of torment. Hell was not meant for you or me. The judgment seat of Christ is going to follow the rapture of the church. Romans 14, 11, it says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. As I get ready to close, examination day is on the way. Rewards are waiting those who have served Christ faithfully. Crowns of glory, crowns of righteousness await you. How will your Lord judge you on that day? How will your works hold up in the fire? The Apostle Peter, he challenges us in 2 Peter 3. He says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Saints of God, Jesus is coming. I'm sounding the alarm to every believer in this room. There's an urgency in my heart to get the message out. I'm compelled to warn you whether you respond to the warning or not. Stop worrying about so much about an invisible virus uh, that has a very small death rate. Instead, worry about the invisible God who could destroy your flesh and your soul in hell forever and ever. You should be completely focused on God who is clearly visible. The signs of the times point to his return. Fulfilled prophetic scripture. His word is alive. Hallelujah. And he says, behold, we will meet him in the clouds together. And so we shall be with the Lord forever and ever. I'm going to read you two verses and we're done. Matthew 24, 33 through 34. It says, so you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near assuredly even at the doors assuredly i say to you this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place we are that generation 
Luke 21, 28. And now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.